This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Jim. <laughs> this is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. <laughs> Mark McDonald, thank you for joining me in the Christmas trenches. Happy holidays and Merry Festival. Uh, and, uh, what's what's the other one? Uh, may May this festive season bring you good tidings. May the season. I can't even remember. It's just so convoluted. I hear it all the time on on uh, radio shows. Uh, maybe I, I can't. I can't even. I can't even keep this crap into my head because it's it's it's. I find it just so uh, nauseating and offensive. Uh, I reflexively just say Merry Christmas as I walk around, and I, I've been doing it in L.A. for a few years now, where you'll go to a store and someone will check you out. Let's say at a like a grocery store or a uh, a pharmacy. And the clerk will say, happy holidays yes. as you're leaving. And I always look them in the face and I look and I stare them in the eyes and I say, Merry Christmas. And it's interesting because about maybe 40, 40% of the time, I get this sudden lift in eye gaze and spirit and a smile. And I hear, oh, Merry Christmas right back, like a very human, warm <clears throat> kind of reaction, which is really gratifying. And then about 60% of the time, I get this like moderately confused and, and slightly offended look like that person doesn't understand what I'm saying or is disgusted by it. And those are the two responses that I get to Merry Christmas in Los Angeles. I think that's everywhere in the West. But I mean, Mark, why do you think people hate the phrase Merry Christmas? Because it connotates joy. I believe that anything that brings joy is under attack in the Western world today. And there's no exception to that, except those activities that bring pleasure. And I'm, I'm differentiating pleasure from joy. For example, prostitution, alcohol, marijuana, <laughs> as he sips on his whiskey. Those things bring pleasure. And that that is highly supported in the West. Anything that's hedonistic is highly supported, especially if it's hedonistic in a narcissistic way, which most hedonism is. In other words, if it brings pleasure to you, it's supported. Because anything that brings pleasure to someone also generally removes any kind of critical thinking or awareness of problems or even an expression of that, that horrible, uh, maligned quality of toxic masculinity, courage, strength, anything like that. Something that brings pleasure is exalted. But if it brings joy, which is a, which is a different emotion, that's, that's a sense of elevation, of happiness, of wanting to uh, generally be with others and connect with other people in a, in a unique and uh, highly individual way. That is attack everywhere in the West and I don't, I can't really think of any exception. And Christmas, Christmas really brings joy. It doesn't bring pleasure. It actually brings a lot of work, you know, shopping and putting up lights and the tree, having to go to family gatherings with people you may not really want to associate with. Christmas is actually a lot of work. And it can be to some degree a bit sad because it reminds you of regret, what you didn't accomplish over the past year. People that you've lost, perhaps periods of time earlier in your life where things were not great. Or maybe it's not great now. Maybe maybe now you're alone. Maybe you just got divorced. Maybe you just lost a child. Maybe you're poor because you haven't been able to work for the last nine months. Or you've been deprived of an income, except that from the government. So you're basically a slave to the state. Whatever it is, you may not be in a, a joyous mood. But Christmas brings joy out. Mm. And when people are joyous, when people are celebrating, when people are communing with one another, when they're focusing on their families and their communities, not just on their narcissistic pleasuring needs, that infuriates a large segment of our society, the segment of the society that wants to grow government, to remove and, and delegitimize, delegitimize religion, to destroy families, to ensure that people are dependent on pleasure 
producing pads like the alcohol, like the marijuana, like the prostitution, the gambling, etc. So I think that's one of the the main reasons. If you want to get away from the for a moment, just the the um, anti-religious aspect of it, and just remove religion entirely from it. Christmas brings joy, and that's why it's under attack. Okay, before we go any further, I'm getting some horrible... <laughs> it's your actual microphone that's making some noises. Just test it for me quickly. Let me unplug it and plug it in and see if that fixes the problem. The case for Christmas. Why should we be making it? Well, this is a, this is a bigger question, but it's a really important one. And I think that a lot of people who are not religious don't believe that there's any reason to keep Christmas. The only people that are really fighting for Christmas are people who are religious, religious Christians and also religious Jews, which is interesting. There's a very strong support for Christmas by religious Jews, which I think undermines the argument that you often hear that Christmas is oppressive, that Christmas is an imposition, that those who don't believe in Christ or who don't define themselves as Christians should not be forced to suffer this indignity of the Christmas season. That's all complete BS. It's actually a lie because one of the strongest groups that supports Christmas, at least in the United States, are Jews. And Jews are not Christians. They don't believe in Christ as God. So why would Jews want to make the case for Christmas? They have no reason to. They already have a religion. They're, they're totally filled up. Their, their cup is overflowing with religion, especially the Orthodox Jews. And yet they're very supportive of it. The answer to the question, of course, is that Jews support Christmas because Christmas overlaps with their own values, which is that people should have a good religion to follow and people should express joy and they should bring uh, happiness to others. They should focus on uh, what's important, not just in terms of material possessions, but in terms of family relationships and ultimately God. So they support it tremendously because they're not secular people. Now, what about those who aren't religious at all? Why should they support Christmas? I think there's a very good reason. Now, I could, I could argue that in the United States, one of the reasons is that Christmas isn't only a religious holiday. In this country where I live, Christmas is a national holiday. It is actually a coming together of Americans, not of religious people. And the government has conferred its status formally as making it a national holiday for that very reason. So if you don't celebrate Christmas, then I could challenge you and say, well, are you not an American? Do you not celebrate Thanksgiving? And, and forget the whole you know, Columbus colonization, raping indigenous people BS. I can go down a whole list of holidays, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, uh, well, we've got Columbus Day, which I sort of already mentioned <laughs> through the extension of Thanksgiving. Halloween, although it's not a, a federal holiday, it's still one that's widely celebrated. More or less, Americans celebrate these holidays. Now, there's been a lot of pushback recently about Fourth of July, and you know, we're not even supporting America, so we oppose Fourth of July, which is, in a way, kind of the same reason why they oppose Christmas. They oppose it because it brings joy, but also because it's an, because it's an American holiday. So anything that, that is American, they're, they're, they're opposed to. 6th of, so, of January also one to celebrate? <clears throat> well, I certainly celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go downtown to L.A. And I, and I riot and I break into stores. Uh, and I do it in blackface <laughs> and I hold up a sign. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm planning my, my my goal my dream my my New Year's resolution for 2023 is to be the white face of black supremacy <laughs> I, I don't a, even have a I don't even have a one liner for that <laughs> we, we had a local a local radio host run for governor last year named Larry Elder who's who's 100% black and he was called the black face of white supremacy. So I want to I want to do the inverse. I want to be the white face of black supremacy. I, I really think that that Christmas, because it's not just a religious holiday, is so important. It's so critical. It's an American holiday. And I think it's harder to make that case, perhaps in Western Europe, but certainly in the United States, it is it is truly a a patriotic holiday and putting out lights, for example which is an expression of, of joy, 
uh, and it requires work. You're not just sitting at home drinking yourself to death. You're, you're, you're outdoors, on the roof, on a ladder, putting up lights, risking your, your physical health and safety. Why? To bring yourself joy? No, you can't even see the lights from inside your own house. You can see your Christmas tree lights. You can't see your house lights. So why do you do it? You do it because it brings joy to your neighbors. It brings joy to people who pass by. It brings joy to the people who drive their cars around on their way back from work, living 40 miles away, because when they drive home after yeah. dark at 5 p.m., they're so happy. Yes. That's why you do it. Yes. And so few people are putting out Christmas lights today, Jeremy. When I grew up, everybody did it. If you didn't do yeah. it, you were shunned in the community. Yeah. Now if you do it, people look at you and think, what the hell's wrong with this guy? He's putting out Christmas lights? He's destroying the environment by mm. wasting electricity to bring joy to people. How dare he? This is, this is literally where we've come. So back to my question about can you have Christmas and Christianity together? Well, think about Halloween. Halloween mm. has pagan roots, and nobody argues against Halloween for that reason. I think this is kind of a non sequitur uh, straw man argument. Uh, in fact, there, there are actually many groups in the United States that pra practice pagan rituals. Uh, Wiccans are celebrated. In fact, satanic clubs in the US are now being sponsored by public schools. You want to join the, the Church of Satan after school? Absolutely. We can't discriminate based on viewpoint. That would be wrong. But you have this, this little small, this minority coterie of people who attack Christmas saying, well, it's not really religious, it's actually a pagan right, so therefore we have to, to cancel it. I don't think they really give a crap about whether it's got pagan roots at all, the hats and the Santa Claus and the trees. They just don't want it to bring joy to people. I think that's the actual reason. If you look at the fruit that comes from the tree, I think that's the best way to judge an activity, a person, a religion. And the religion of Christmas and the practice of Christmas, even in the non-religious sense, such as putting out lights, such as offering people gifts, it brings joy. Mm -hmm. does, not, does not receiving a gift bring joy to a person? Of course it does. <clears throat> and for this reason, I think it should be continued. And anyone who argues against Christmas has to argue against bringing joy. There is no uh, compulsory uh, obligation to practice or celebrate Christmas. No one is forcing anyone to go to church. No one is forcing anyone to provide gifts. No one is even forcing anyone to say Merry Christmas. If you want to pull away from it, you certainly can. But I think that refusing to acknowledge that the participation in this, this religious or non-religious aspect of this holiday is actually an act of pulling away from the celebration of yourself, of goodness, of giving, of gratitude. So it's just like in Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is ultimately a celebration of gratitude. And when you refuse to participate in Thanksgiving, I think you're an ingrate. So I think the same thing applies for Christmas. I don't believe that you need to be religious to celebrate it. Just as I said, the Jews celebrate Christmas often, maybe not in terms of the rites, R-I-T-E-S, but they certainly celebrate uh, trees and lights and uh, uh, festivals and food. And they are not religious Christians by definition. Mm. So I think that as long as you want to express something positive, something good, something that brings you and your family together in a moment of joy and gratitude and celebration, you should be. You should be. Not have to, but you should be celebrating Christmas. I remember some years ago I dated um, a Jehovah's Witness. And it was a fantastic experience because they obviously don't celebrate Christmas, but they also don't celebrate birthdays. If we're going to be consistent, then we need to be, be consistent. But I can guarantee you that a lot of Christians who oppose Christmas celebrate birthdays. Of course they do. And I can tell you why they, those who don't celebrate Christmas, not the Jehovah's Witnesses, but people you're describing who celebrate birthdays and nothing else, why they do, they do have narcissism because it brings them joy, <laughs> or I should say it brings them pleasure. Uh, and I'm not against celebrating birthdays because it's narcissistic. I think that's fine. Uh, you only do it once a year, or as some people do in the US, they have their birthday month, so they celebrate it for 30 consecutive days. That's a little excessive. I think that's a bit. So my response to that is, I think that's stupid. <laughs> I really do. Uh, <laughs> well, well, there we go. There we go. It's, that's the answer. Just because you're consistent doesn't mean you're any less stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I generally, I generally do believe in consistency. Um, but, but if you're being consistently stupid, you're still stupid. It doesn't make you any less stupid. Um, I, I, I don't really see the point in refusing to celebrate something good because it doesn't have religious roots. I think there's a lot of reasons one can celebrate. Uh, for example, one can celebrate the birth of a child. That's certainly not a religious holiday. Mm. And why not? You're bringing a new life into the world. That is a not a pleasurable, it's probably terribly non-pleasurable. Can you imagine the, the discomfort of the woman who just had yeah. a baby? Uh, or the husband who's stressed and anxious? There's no pleasure in having a child, but there's joy. And so celebrating the birth of a child is a joyous event. Now, we're not celebrating that as a society anymore. In fact, there are, there are movements now called the antinatalist movements that actually oppose birth, believe it or not. They oppose babies. They oppose pregnancy. They oppose fertility. They want the population to die out. This is their stated mission statement. I mean, this is not even in a debate. They, they truly believe this. Why? Well, they would say that it's because this is a planet is being overpopulated, we don't have enough resources, which is factually absolutely false. That can be disproven very easily and quickly. My belief, why they don't want to celebrate birth, why they're antinatalists, is that they actually don't want families to have joy in their lives. That's what mm -hmm. I think. So I don't believe Jehovah's Witnesses are anti-joy. I just think that they're foolish in this area uh, because I don't really see any, uh, any reason to oppose celebrating non-religious holidays. I don't, I don't really see any point in uh, Puritanism or mm -hmm. in uh, uh, Ludditism or in the uh, destruction of all education after the fifth grade, which is what the Amish do in the East Coast in the US. I, I think that that's actually foolish, and I think it actually impairs the human ability to rise above his humanity and achieve something close to the divine, which we can never truly achieve. And, and the, the, the vocal activist secular left, and I'm not saying that Jehovah's Witnesses are in this camp, but I think there's a kind of a, a silliness that's, that's overlaps with this other group. I think that they actually want to oppress humanity. And ultimately, I think the end game is actually an anti-human movement. Christmas is a, such a, a pro-human movement, which is ironic because it, it's, it's founded on the divine. It's founded on, on worshiping religion, but it's actually very pro-human. It's actually mm -hmm. saying that there's a value to humanity. The idea, of course, behind Christmas is that Jesus died on the cross for people, for humans, which means people are important. Mm. <laughs> it's, they're so important that the Son of God died for people. So why would you not want to celebrate the value and importance of your species? It's, it's, it's such a nonsensical, irrational, and ultimately uh, self-defeating proposition that I just don't see any defense for it. Yeah. The, the case for Christmas is there's no defense against not celebrating it. Don't you get irritated with ultra cynicism? Um, I, I love yes. Christmas. I love, I love Christmas because it's, it's the one time of the year where my family comes together, my friends come together. There's so much happiness and silly, silly stuff. It's the one time of the year you can play Boney M without feeling guilty. There is a reason why anything that's joyous is attacked because people who are happy, people who are not pleasure-seeking, again, because I want to make that distinction very clear, but who are happy, like as Dennis Prager often says, uh, happiness is, oh, I'm trying to remember the exact quote of the book, happiness is a moral obligation or, or happiness is a personal responsibility, something like that. And I love that line because I think just like as he says, keeping yourself from stinking, you know, your BO, your bad breath, imposing that on other people. We don't, we don't allow that. We say, that guy smells bad. His breath stinks. We don't just smile and say, yeah, sounds really good. Smells really great. No, we, 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 we don't like those people. People who are just consistently, ultra cynically unhappy, they, they reek of cynicism and they, they destroy, they, they stink up the environment the interpersonal environment that they're, that they're in. And that's why I think there is an obligation for people to be happy. And so anything that helps support happiness, anything you can do to support happiness is a virtue. So it's not just because you're religious or that you um, wanna have fun or that you're silly that you support Christmas. You support Christmas because 
It's your, your human and social responsibility to support Christmas and to be happy and to bring happiness around you and other people. That makes you a good person. Although I did notice you conveniently didn't comment on the fact that I brought up Boney M. <laughs> you, but you brought up what? Boney M. Come on. What's have you Boney not heard of, M? Have you never heard of Boney M? No. <gasps> Mark. What's that? But I'm going to have to play you something. I cannot believe you haven't heard of Boney M. No wonder you didn't comment. <laughs> no okay, hold on. There we go. The very first thing on Apple Music, I type in Boney M, and the top result is Christmas with Boney M. There we go. Let's get to the very important case for Christmas question, and that is, what is a Christmas movie? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. That is a Christmas movie. But okay, no, but my question is more, how do you define it? Is it a movie that comes out at Christmas or has Christmas in it? So we used to have Christmas movies in the U.S. every year. I don't think we've had them now for like three or four years. I, and, and I think that's partly because the desire to kill joy overcame the desire to line one's pockets in the studios in Hollywood. The only movies that they come out with now in the United States are angry, depressing, destructive, uh, anti-human movies <clears throat> uh, sprinkled with uh, a little potpourri, soup sewn, uh, <laughs> amuse-bouche layering of superhero uh, rehash and uh, sequel. So we don't really get those movies anymore. You have to go back in time and actually watch them from from earlier uh, in, a, in a time period when most Americans <clears throat> were aligned in a kind of middle class uh, economic value uh, suburban life. See, my view of a Christmas movie, and I'm thinking about it from the American's point of view, because I, <clears throat> I don't think any other country makes Christmas movies except the U.S. It doesn't really exist. It's a cult, American cultural phenomenon. I think the American Christmas movie is defined by a, a fairly lighthearted, uh, unifying-themed, family-oriented, with perhaps a little bit of debauchery if it goes to the sort of adult level, like the National Lampoon level. Not to the level of, of actual porn, but just, just sort of right underneath, sort of blurring the lines. <clears throat> like the scene where Chevy Chase goes into the, the, uh, the mall and he goes to the perfume counter and he starts stumbling over his words because he's got this really hot young girl who's flirting with him. And she offers him a perfume because he's buying it for his wife. And he's staring at her breasts and her nipples are just sticking straight out from her, from her tight <laughs> shirt. And he says, wow, it's a little, a little, little nipply. I mean, uh, nip, nippy. And, he starts blowing, and, she's, and she's just smiling at him. And, and his wife walks and he's like, oh, hi, Clark. What are you up to? And he's like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. He runs away. See, that's a Christmas movie. But, but, it's, but, it's, but, it's, but it's a bit risque. So it doesn't have to be pure. It doesn't have to be uh, a religiously inspired it doesn't have to even be Dickinsonian in mm. offering really upstanding learning and moral virtue. But it, it has to be unifying. It has to be contemporaneously unifying, which means we have to ultimately have something good come out of all of the foibles. You get lost on your vacation. Uh, the house burns down. Mm. Um, the dog escapes. But at the end, everybody comes back together. It has to be in winter. It can't be in summer, so it, it's seasonal, certainly. And you, you come back together and you, you celebrate what's important. It's, it's kind of like a modernized version of A Christmas Carol with a little bit of trash thrown in. That's a, that's a, to me, that's a Christmas movie. And I don't think we have them anymore because I don't think that in the United States, we agree as Americans that those experiences, those values, those lessons, and that outcome where people come back together, not as, not as cynics, not as depressives, not as, as angry, uh, destructive uh, loners, but back as a, as a unit. I don't think that we value that anymore. And that's why I don't think that Christmas movies are being made today in the United States. My wife and I always fight over this particular Christmas movie. I don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, but she believes it is and i'm completely outnumbered 
Is it a Christmas movie in your mind? That's a tough one. There's actually been a debate in the U.S. about that uh, just this past year, and there were op-eds written in newspapers, believe it or not, uh, about Die Hard. And there were opposing views, both sides. There, there was no consensus. Um, I, I think that there are elements of a Christmas movie in Die Hard because there is a, first of all, a Christmas seasonal theme. Uh, this is during Christmas, so you already have the setting. That's fine. There is a there's a challenge or a threat to the unity of the family through the hostage taking, which is, this is where it becomes a little non-Christmassy, is the incredible uh, violence and uh, uh, superhero courage aspect of the film, which is not a Christmas theme. But at the end of the movie, there is a reunification. And as it's going on, throughout the movie, there's a tone of lightheartedness and comedy. So you see there's some aspects of it that are very Christmassy. There's some satire, there's some, there's some uh, humor, uh, there's a, a challenge over Christmas that brings people back together. But the non-Christmas aspects are equally strong. There's definitely a super, I'm a superhero, but sort of a heroic quality in the movie, an expression of courage, uh, a man alone fighting against an evil group of terrorists and vanquishing them with force, with violence. That's not really Christmassy. I'm not opposed to that. I think that's great for a movie about masculinity and about courage. That's fantastic. But I don't think that Christmas is about that. I, I think Christmas is about, you know, as you and I both are familiar with Jack Donovan's work on The Way of Men, a book that, that's made a huge uh, influence on you. And, and I've been reading it myself recently and thinking a lot about the themes in the book. There's, there's two aspects that he focuses on in the book. One is, and you make the distinction yourself often, the aspect of being a man, which is what Bruce Willis is in that movie, and being a good man. And I think that Christmas is about being a good man. It, it, in and of the, the aspect of, of, of the role of men in the Christmas movie. And there's always a man in a Christmas movie. You can't have a Christmas movie with a bunch of chicks. That's not a Christmas movie. That's, that's, a, that's a chick flick. There has to be a man. And there's usually, I can't think of an exception to this, there's almost always a woman. There's basically a family in a Christmas movie. So it's a family-driven core theme. So if there's a family-driven core theme, there has to be a man who is being a good man in the movie. And I think Bruce Willis and, and Die Hard is kind of confusing because there, there is a man who's being a good man, but, but largely speaking, he's also being a man, meaning he's expressing courage and strength and honor and competency. And I don't think that that's really the core uh, essence of a Christmas movie. So that's why I think that it, it confuses people. I don't think that you can call it an anti-Christmas movie, but I think that there's a lot of overlap between, you, you, you could even call Die Hard, I would say it's a melange of a Christmas movie and an action flick. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's sort of defies genre. We watched um, A Nightmare Before Christmas. And funnily enough, that is definitely a Christmas movie, although it's dark. Well, it's gothic. Mm. And there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference between dark and the way that we usually think of dark and gothic. I, I think there's a, it's, it's a bit complicated psychologically, but those who support goth and gothic, like say Batman and medieval period, well not medieval, it's pre-medieval period, um, those who dress with the black clothes and the white face paint, there is a, a kind of worshiping of darkness, but with an underlying sense of virtue. I, I, think, that, I think that that movie does, in the same way that Halloween is dark, and yet Halloween is also pretty, pretty fun, um, there, there's, a, there's an element of exaggerating and putting on a pedestal that which is grotesque as a way to attest to something very life-giving. It's, it's a bit of a contradiction, but 
I think it's different than, say, satanic worship, where the goal is actually anti-human, anti-life. It's it's the it's the imposition of of depression and pain and loss and isolation. I don't think of gothic and dark as that. And and you can also be. And, and this movie is a good example of it, similar to the way that Mexico celebrates the Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. They don't do that in a depressing or sad way. I mean, there is some, some uh, prayer that's done for those who have passed on. So there's a bit of a, a funereal quality to it. But, but it's, it's not really the worship of death. It's almost like It's almost like standing up to death and loss and facing it and mocking it as a living person. So I, I think you can still call The Nightmare Before Christmas a Christmas movie, even though it's not on its surface warm and fuzzy. I've got a, a fairly loose definition, though, of Christmas movie. Um, for example, for me, <laughs> Lord of the Rings is a Christmas movie, but only because it came out at Christmas. I completely reject that. I think that's absurd. I don't. I don't. I don't accept that at all. <laughs> I mean, if if herpes came out at Christmas, you would call it a Christmas VD. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Why don't that sounds good. That? We'll go with that. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but we always watch Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a quintessential Christmas movie. Can you believe that he's in his 40s now? I know I've seen pictures of him now and, and I just think whatever happened to this. I, I can only imagine in, in my head just the picture of the boy face with his hands like this going there, like that, which was the advertisement on the billboards. Uh, but that was a really long time ago. He was also in that Michael Jackson music video, I think. Uh, was it? Wait, it was him, hey? In black or white? Or was it, or was it another kid? I don't know. They all look the same. Those little, those little blonde. As heads. a child. Yes. <laughs> was it like a copy of "Baby Spank Me One More Time"? I'm sure. I'm sure it was a Michael Jackson music video with Macaulay Culkin in it. I'm very certain. Did Michael Jackson <laughs> die? <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson had a raw deal, right? It wasn't his fault that he was born a black man and died a white woman. <laughs> don't, don't don't be mean <laughs> on christmas day in the morning we'd watch uh the story of jesus and his birth because my mom always said um we must remember actually what we are doing today what this is all about we can have fun later but for now we're gonna just have a moment um i know that jesus wasn't born on december the 25th we all know that but Whenever he was born, I don't see people celebrating on that day. Well, I think that clearly the best way to celebrate Christmas is to, is to acknowledge its religious roots, because from that springs everything. If you're not actually religious or you are not Christian, then certainly you shouldn't be forced to celebrate the religious aspects of Christmas. But I don't really see any harm in acknowledging it and in certainly telling the story, even if you don't happen to hold that religious view. Because everything that comes, all the good that comes from Christmas comes from that root. So if you're only celebrating, say, presents and exchanging gifts, I mean, that's, that's still not a bad thing, giving and receiving. Uh, being generous and expressing gratitude for having somebody provide you with something uh, freely is a good thing. It's a virtuous quality. But I think that severing ties from that original uh, idea of Christmas uh, does dilute or diminish the power and the, the effectiveness of Christmas. And obviously at the extreme end of things where Christmas is nothing but a commercialized holiday of buying and selling stuff, uh, then you really have such a dilution that it, it almost becomes a, a, a somewhat meaningless uh, exercise. I mean, what's the difference between that and just having a birthday 
with everybody at the same time. You know, the point is not your birthday, it's, you know, Christ. So I would like to see more people celebrating Christmas or at least acknowledging that, that history in the way that your mother did when you were growing up with you and with your family. I would like to see more of that in the U.S. and in the West. I see only good things coming of that. And the only argument, Jeremy, the only argument against any of this, what you just described with your mother about gift giving, about uh, celebrating, about putting lights out, the only argument is, is really one that's grounded in narcissism. I cannot think of a good, virtuous argument that is, that is truly free from spite and hatred and envy and narcissistic exaltation, you know, the self being more important than the community. I can't think of any, any argument that doesn't fall into that camp that is an, an, an anti-Christmas one. They're, they're all that way. So if, if you, just stepping back and look at this objectively, whether you're pro or anti-religious, it's irrelevant. If you just step back and be honest with yourself and look at this objectively, can you make any compelling case that's not grounded on something dark and dirty and, and, and nasty, any compelling case to oppose the spread and, and, and frequency and depth of celebration investment in Christmas. I challenge anyone to make that case. Because any time you make that argument, it's going to be one that's narcissistic and envious and destructive. I suppose the argument would be, well, it's pagan. That's, that's, that's it. That's the one that you would get. It's a pagan festival. But even the religious people don't use that argument, which is, which is why it's so easy to dispel that from a true motivation. I think that's a false argument. I think the argument underneath it is still grounded in envy. I mean, if, if Christians and Jews and even some other religious uh, groups that, that believe in Christmas, even though they may not celebrate that in a religious sense, if even they don't use that argument, then how can you how can you propose that and in fact uh, the people who are the most likely to propose that argument are the ones that are the most in favor of Halloween <laughs> in fact I, I, I was I was discussing this just yesterday with someone and I said well what's the prevalence of putting out Christmas lights which is a good sort of surrogate marker for whether the people in the home are celebrating Christmas I mean, other than just going and knocking on doors and having an mm. interview, I think that's a good visual, countable marker for the, the depth, the, the, the depth of celebration of, of Christmas. Are there lights and how many lights? I think that's a great one. And what I, what I heard back often was, well, certainly the light number is declining. That's true. But interestingly, someone else said towards the end of this conversation, the diminishment of lights in neighborhoods that are not supportive of Christmas seems to also correlate with the degree to which those residents are celebrating Halloween by putting out incredible displays of Halloween ornaments, ghosts, uh, sound boxes, uh, fake smoke, uh, sheets hanging from the trees, pumpkins, uh, lights, come and get your candy. Those people that, are the, that would be the first people to say, well, we don't believe in, in, in celebrating Christmas. It's a pagan holiday and we don't believe in They're the ones that are celebrating Halloween. So I don't think that's a sincere argument. I think that's mm. a distraction. And I don't think anybody really cares about that. Every year we drive around. We know there are certain suburbs where there are those streets that have amazing displays of lights on the houses. And people park their cars and you walk down the streets and... It's just beautiful. We have that here in Los Angeles. There's a neighborhood right next to Palos Verdes where I used to, to live. I didn't live in Palos Verdes, but I lived at the base of Palos Verdes. And it has three streets. It's just a residential neighborhood. It's, it's not a huge wealthy area like Beverly Hills. It's just a middle-class neighborhood with lots of families, lots of kids. It's kind of the, the core family neighborhood left in Los Angeles that's not just a bunch of rich people. And that little three street area is filled with millions of lights. It's so lit up and it's so famous and popular that there are police that man entrances to the connecting streets with uh, wands 
and they wave people in in a certain uh, entrance direction and then there's an egress direction just to keep the traffic flowing and people park from about a half a mile away and they walk in and they look at the lights on foot and the neighbors they sell drinks they sell hot drinks alcohol and non-alcoholic drinks on the street for like a dollar two dollars to people who are walking around they also sell food these are neighbors not not professional food trucks just people with their kids putting out little uh, kits to sell food and drink to people I don't know of any other place in Los Angeles that does this to this degree. And I cannot think of any reason to oppose this mm. that has validity. People, they're, they're trying. They're trying to shut it down. Oh, you're using too much power. Uh, you're, you're, you're blocking the streets. Uh, there isn't... A, enough room for emergency response vehicles to go. There's always some argument, but it keeps going. It, it's persistent because there's enough people that see the value in this and that find this to be such a, an island of pure joy in a 365-day year of mediocrity and an absence of actual joy. Erratic, uh, inconsistent pleasure, sure. But, but there's, there's no persistent joy in Los Angeles. There hasn't been for years. So I think this, this oasis of joy is being protected by not just the neighbors, but by largely the population because there's something that is so appealing on a basic level that, that even the Scrooges who want to shut it down cannot succeed. They can't get any traction. So I think there's something almost, I'd say, universal in what you're describing where you are and where I am that that appeals to to the average good person yeah i have to add a caveat though uh, <laughs> i talk about the street lights or the, the, the lights on the houses when there is electricity because we currently have around eight hours per day of roading blackouts <laughs> <laughs> south, south africa <laughs> the, the the country where it's too hot half the year to even go outside because of all the sunlight How's that, how's that solar power energy source working for you? You've got rolling blackouts in a country that is bathing in sunlight. I've had some of the best times in countries that have had real structural problems because to a certain degree, there's a kind of a, a rallying around the structural problem that, that, that pulls people together. There, there are always breakdowns in society. The question is just where is the breakdown? And, and I would, and to some degree, uh, I, would, I would rather have, say, an electrical power breakdown be the problem in a, in a society than the breakdown be one of a complete failure of the moral compass, of the mm. denigration of virtue, of the destruction, outright attack on masculinity of the the anti-human movement and all of the effects that it has which is what the united states is is largely suffering from i mean we don't have power issues right now we will probably have them very very soon because that group wants us to go without power it's actually intentional and then we'll have both problems so we'll have the worst of both worlds and there'll be nothing left but the weather to celebrate and worship out here in in los angeles and california but if you can choose, if you had a choice, I would pick something like your problem versus the problems we're having here. I would pick the problem, as I described uh, quite often in the last few weeks, of corruption and graft in Croatia over the problems that we're having here in LA. We're taxed at around 70% now in California. If you look at all of the local, county, state, federal, individual, corporate, sales, gasoline, electrical taxes. If you add all of them up, it's around 70%. I'm paying 70% of my money to get shit here in Los Angeles. Roads that don't work. Uh, we get uh, internet failures all the time. Crime is out of control. You can't buy anything in the stores. 40% inflation. I'd rather pay 20% of my income to a corrupt judge, to a corrupt policeman, to a corrupt bar owner and have a great relationship and get my permits, get my tickets expunged and get my beer and my liquor and not have to deal with all the shit. I would much yeah. rather do that. So there is no nirvana here on earth. It's only a question of which problem you want to have. And I think that some problems are actually better than others.
I think that part of the Christmas case um, is that what you just described gets forgotten for just a few days or maybe a week or two. And it's the most amazing thing. It's almost as though there's a societal pressure to be decent people. This may be one of the reasons why Barbara Farrar, the fake doctor and city public county health official who's been torturing us here in Los Angeles County for the last three years with uh, lockdowns, shutdowns, mass mandates, vaccine passports, all this bullshit. That may be one of the reasons why she has not been able to successfully reimpose a universal mask mandate right before Christmas. She said she was going to do it last week. She actually announced it. And it's, it's just disappeared. And it may be because there's a, there's a respite that we've entered into, a period of respite where people, even the crazy people who are still running around with these stupid diapers on their faces, even they don't want to be put in the position of yelling at people to put on a face diaper when they walk down the street or go into a store. That there's something so revolting about chasing people down and being nasty and mean to them at Christmas. <laughs> but even, even these, uh, these sadistic, self-appointed citizen police don't want to support this. And so there's been a kind of pulling back in the last week of a lot of the, 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 nasty, the, the nasty stuff that we've been living with in LA. It would be nice if Christmas were to persist for longer. Maybe we could have like six months of Christmas so that we'd actually have six months of, of good behavior and people being nice to one another. One of the biggest casualties that I've seen in the last few years in, in my city and in, 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 I would say in the United States at large is just people being nice and friendly to one another, to be good spirited, you know, forgetting all the politics and the, and the debates and the arguments, just friendly, warm, uh, sociable people, they, they all just disappeared and they've been gone for about three years. And, and now, just for this brief period of time, they've all come back. And I would invite them to stay and, and hang out here for a longer period of time so that they can see that life is better when they're in this frame of mind. You can't have anything that is truly based on celebration and gratitude and joy and happiness without the acknowledgement that there is loss, there is suffering. I mean, think about Christmas itself. Uh, you know, the, the, the kind of juxtaposition of Christmas and Easter. You know, Easter is all about uh, light and, and, and celebration and positivity, the birth, rebirth of, of Jesus. Um, and, and yet, you know, Christmas is, is always attached to the death of Jesus as well, and the suffering and the loss and the turning against him by the people at, at his time, uh, the sacrifice. I think that there is a necessary uh, ruminative and reflective aspect of Christmas that makes that holiday different than just, say, a celebration of your own birthday. There's something that is, that is inherently anti-narcissistic about Christmas, whereas birthdays are, are somewhat, in a healthy way, somewhat narcissistic. They're about you, right? They're not about other people. They're not about the happiness of the community. It's about your happiness. And I think that makes it more powerful. I think that it forces people to a certain extent to reevaluate themselves, to look at themselves a bit critically in the context of support, of love, of joy, of giving, of gratitude. And that diminishment of the, the narcissism, I think, is what makes people better people at Christmas. And it, it may even, to some degree, catapult them into the new year on the footing of wanting to be better people. Because they've, they've gained, hopefully, they've gained some sense of perspective. They haven't just been drinking and eating and, and being hedonistic. They've actually done some work. They've put out some lights. They've, per they've purchased some gifts and give them to other people. Perhaps they've worked in a soup kitchen. Um, there's a push at, the, at Christmas more than any other time of the year, at least in the US, for Americans to look at those who have lost something, who are unhappy, who are poor, and to reach out and to help them. It's very much like the Christmas Carol. The Christmas Carol story uh, it, it, it does have some sadness. It is somewhat depressing. But there's a, a quality of rejuvenation, of 
uh, of rising above the the sadness and the the inherent um, tragedy of humanity, of being human, of life, that makes it that much more special. I mean, in a simple way, you could say that life would never be precious if there wasn't death. The only reason why we value life is that it has an ending. And I think mm. Christmas is, is, is sort of like that. There's that problem of people who are lonely at Christmas, and there are lots of those. Yes, and I see that in my practice, which is why I tell people at Christmas more than any other time, you need to seek out others. Christmas is not a holiday to be celebrated alone. It has to be celebrated with others. And some people don't have a family. Some people don't have people to celebrate with. They need to be around other people. If you are not, then your sadness, your depression, your, your, your losses are only going to be magnified and your experience of them. And they will not be put into the proper perspective. And this is why, sadly, Suicide rates go up around Christmas. Uh, people who don't have the skills or the connections to help cope with their depression and their losses, uh, they feel very isolated. So it's, it's really critical for people at this time to find others and to commune with them. Sadly, I think that Christmas has provoked a greater degree of sadness and depression recently than it did a long time ago because I think that the human and communal aspects of Christmas have been largely replaced with the commercialized aspects of Christmas. And I think we've kind of lost the roots of what the holiday was. I don't think Christmas was inherently at nearly as um, destructively depressing for certain people a generation ago. I think now that the depression can be actually destructive. Depression, uh, well, I say clinical depression is always destructive, but sadness is not necessarily a destructive force. Sadness can actually force you to look inside, force you to think, to meditate, to reflect. Uh, depression is, is clinically is always destructive. So if you're able to uh, go somewhere where there actually is a Christmas community, uh, a smaller town, another city, a place that isn't like New York or LA or Seattle, where everybody is secular, they're all, they all hate Christmas and they're all hiding out on their own, then I think you can actually benefit from it. But I would agree that it's harder now to do that in large urban areas in the West than it used to be. And that's probably why depression and suicide have gone up. The case for Christmas in your mind is a solid one. I think the case for Christmas is irrefutable and it is solid. And it's one that comes from the non-religious premise that Christmas brings joy to people and we need more joy in our lives because happiness is a serious subject and it's a moral responsibility, if not a moral imperative. And whether you're religious or not, it's a holiday that extends in its influence beyond just the religious worship, which of course is central to Christmas and can't be divorced from it. but it is a universal holiday. It is in this country, the United States, an American holiday. And it's the only holiday that I know of that is both civic and religious at the same time. And that's why it's critical to maintain it, both for religious mm. and for civic reasons. And obviously we, we need to fight for Santa Claus and not Santa Claus with the bugs. <laughs> Santa Claus is, is probably the bribe with which children uh, are brought into the Christmas fold uh, because without it, there isn't really much reason for children to be involved in Christmas, at least not, <laughs> at least not on a selfish level. But, but you, you, you can bribe them certainly in joining in and then from there they get attached to the holiday and they, they, they start to perpetuate the, uh, the Christmas giving, which mm. is... Uh, for them, you know, Christmas receiving when they first start out. And, and it's also, you know, it's like the Easter Bunny. It's a, like a lovely thing to, to, to bring children into because mm. it, it, it brings joy to children. There's, there's nothing wrong with training your children to anticipate something that's joyous and that brings people together. We've, we've lost that. We've, we've replaced that with the idea that um, 
one needs to be protected from pain mm. and failure. And I don't think that that's the purpose of raising parents, of, of parents raising children. I think that, that one of the qualities and experiences you need to give to your children is the, the expectation of something joyous. And, and that makes a huge difference in the lives of children, as we can all remember when we were growing up, how, yeah. how joyous and how important and exciting Christmas was. And to take that away from the next generation of children, I, I, I think is just cruel. Funnily enough, your, uh, your Freudian slip there about raising parents is probably relevant if you look at today's woke culture. <laughs> that is so true. We, you know, we were often asked, and I often discuss this subject uh, on your show and others, where have all the men gone? Where are the men? Mm. Well, you can ask the same thing about parents. You know, where are the parents? Where have the parents gone? Uh, in order to have a, a non-Lord of the Flies society, you need to have yeah. parents. Uh, society can't be run by the children. And we don't have a lot of parents left anymore. We have a lot of adults who don't want to behave like parents and who want to uh, outsource their responsibilities to others, particularly the state. And I think that's a huge problem too. So reinstating the importance of the parent-child relationship is also a critical aspect of Christmas. Christmas mm. is about families. Christmas is not just about children. It's not a child holiday. It's not like a birthday party. It's also not just an adult celebration. It's not um, a January 1st New Year's party, which mm. is an, which that's always an adult celebration. It's both. It's, it's the dichotomy between the adult and the child. The, ch the adult knows something that the child doesn't about Christmas. And, and yet the adult can use his influence as the parent to bring more joy out of the event for the child. And also, I think a critical part of this is also uh, through surrogacy, re-experience the joy of Christmas mm. through the child. And that's not something that you can do in any other um, at any other time. Do we experience the the surrogacy of a birthday through our child's birthday party? No, we just get the cake and hope that they have a good time. But yeah. there's there's something about Christmas for a, for a parent that if he participates in it, he relives the experience and the joy of Christmas through his child's eyes. I think that's also a very important aspect of the the family part of Christmas and why Christmas movies always have families in them yeah because i think that just like cartoons adults can can re-experience the joy of a cartoon seeing it through a different perspective 30 or 40 years later i think christmas is the same thing you know what you could you could actually this is a, a good metaphor that's coming to my mind that, that <laughs> doesn't require uh, intellectual energy and philosophizing in order to explain to people you, you could you could symbolize metaphorically the entire internationalist anti-human movement as a Grinch. Mm. There, there is something in its essence about that movement and all of its aspects that is found in the Grinch. Yeah. And everybody knows what a Grinch is. You don't have to, to, to use uh, philosophical terms to describe it. We just know intrinsically what it is. What is the Grinch trying to accomplish? And that is what Klaus Schwab and all these others are trying to do. It is something intrinsically anti-joy. And, and there is almost like the, the forces of, of Christmas and anti-Christmas, of Santa and the Grinch. And there's a battling going on. And it's not just at Christmas, but it's, it's all year long. And I think that, that the forces of, of Santa Claus and not... Charles Klaus Schwab <laughs> need to need to prevail because I think the Grinch the Grinch is 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 a is emblematic of something that we need to fight against and I think you know Klaus Schwab is is certainly somebody that needs to be fought against and rather than arguing philosophical points I mean to see them in that way and then I think we actually can bring Christmas back okay at this time of the year is there a reason for me to follow you? And if there is, how can I do that? There's no reason to follow me at all. Just, uh, 
<laughs> Cheers. I, <laughs> I, I am, I am still. God knows why I'm still doing this. Maybe because I just want people to be to be happier in the in the long run. I am still writing every week uh, on my Substack Dissident MD, which can also be found on my website by the same name Dissident MD. And I am, in addition to encouraging people to read that Substack, which discusses all the themes we talked about today and more. I'm also encouraging those who have not yet completed their Christmas shopping to purchase and gift a copy of my recent book, United States of Fear, that's the first one, sorry, Freedom from Fear, which is the second one, which is a more uplifting theme, to those who perhaps haven't yet found their way to celebrate and bring joy in their lives at Christmas because they're mm. still attached to anxiety and to fear. And that is the antithesis of Christmas. Christmas is about losing fear and losing anxiety and being joyous and expressing fun and bringing that to all the generations above and below you. And uh, I think that the, the Freedom From Fear 12-step guide can help you accomplish that. So it's a very, you can call it um, like the, the die hard of Christmas films uh, Freedom from Fear is the uh, the diehard of Christmas books, uh, and you can purchase it through my website, Dissident MD. <laughs> Mark McDonald, thank you for joining me in the Christmas trenches. <laughs> Feliz Navidad. <laughs> my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of Christmas ideas. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.